Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This story is told of this lady at the airport. And she bought a Kit Kat candy bar to eat while she was loading up, getting on the plane. Y'all know what a Kit Kat candy bar is? Raise your hand if you like a Kit Kat candy bar. All right. Well, I ain't going to give you one. I just want to tell you. <laughs> I just thought I might bring it up. <laughs> so she bought this Kit Kat candy bar to eat while she was waiting for her plane. Well, in the crowded waiting area, she spied an empty seat at the end of the row. Rushing to get it, she quickly propped her handbag against the end of the row, sat down, and placed her purse and several other items on the table between her and a rather large man that that was seated there, and then turned back to straighten her bag up. With everything finally in order, she was ready to eat her Kit Kat candy bar. But to her surprise, as she started to reach for it, she saw the man in the next seat unwrapping her Kit Kat candy bar. And she watched with utter amazement as he broke off a section and ate it. Well, she thought, well, my goodness, I have never seen such gall. She glared at him and he looked at her, but no words were exchanged. She was furious at what he had done, that she decided that if he was going to be brazen about it, She would be brazen too. So she reached over to him and broke off a piece and ate it herself. And then he broke off another piece and he ate it. And it became almost a duel between the two of them to see who would get the most. Well, quickly the candy bar was consumed and she sat there just boiling that someone would be so rude and so presumptuous to eat half of her candy bar. Well, after about a few minutes of silence, the man got up and he left and he came back with another Kit Kat candy bar. He unwrapped it and broke off a piece and started to eat it. She thought, well, since he ate half mine, I'm going to eat half of his. So she reached over and she broke another piece and she ate it. And once again, the same scenario was repeated until the whole candy bar was gone. And she sat there thinking, this is the most ridiculous thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. She continued to glare at him and he looked at her with one, with, with neither one saying a word, well, just then over the intercom came the announcement that her plane was ready for boarding. So she opened her purse to get her boarding pass, and to her utter embarrassment, there was a Kit Kat candy bar. She had eaten half of two of his candy bars. And, and her candy bar was still in her purse. So everybody sometime in his or her life has had an embarrassing moment. Say amen. Amen. 
Were you with me last week? Raise your hand. Were you with me last week? All right. Last week, we met a woman who had an embarrassing moment with Jesus at the well. For her, the day started like any other day. The day begins as she sighs deeply, picks up her water pot, places it on her shoulder, and with her free hand, she opens the door and the heat hits her face. It's about 12 noon. The sun is at its zenith, its highest. She opens the door. Her eyes begin to adapt to the white light outside. She bends over and she grabs her pot and walks outside. It's quiet, but not dead quiet. There's no one in sight. She's alone. She looks up the dusty street. Get this in your mind's eye. If she doesn't see any of the other women, and that's a good thing, she begins to walk to the outskirts of the town. It's a good time to get water. She could have chosen a cooler time of day, although that would have meant she would have had to face the women who talked about her because she was the town bad girl. This woman is doing her daily stuff getting water, but it's God leading her today because today she's going to meet the sovereign Savior. So she's walking and getting closer to Jacob's well. The woman notices a man sitting on the wall. She hesitates. What is he doing there? She wants to turn around, but she needs to get the water. She keeps walking, and she's thinking, maybe he'll just ignore me like everybody else. Chapter 4, verse 7, go ahead and look at verse 7. Jesus said to her, what do you say, saints? Give me a drink. Look at verse 7. What do you say, saints? Give me a drink. Well, verse 9, she said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? Now listen, when Jesus asked this woman for a drink, this woman was genuinely shocked. Why? Got a pen, got a pad, write this down. She was shocked, number one, because she was a woman. A man was speaking to a woman. In this culture, men didn't speak publicly to women. Husbands didn't speak publicly to their wives. Fathers didn't speak publicly to their daughters. She was shocked because, number two, write it down, she was a Samaritan. Not only a woman, but she was a Samaritan. In this culture, the Jews were extreme bigots. They hated Samaritans. The Jews considered the Samaritans half-breeds. The Jews would pray that no Samaritan would make it in the resurrection. The Jews considered the Samaritans heretics or outcasts or ceremonially unclean or racially impure and to be avoided. Well, not only is she shocked because she's a woman and a Samaritan, write this down, but she's a sinner. She knows it. The town knows it. She's been married five times. Five times she's tried to start over. Now she's given up on marriage. She's living with a man. This woman was an introvert, hiding from the world in guilt and shame. This woman was displaced and doubting and despondent and dehydrated by Satan's lies and used up by Satan's schemes. Are you listening? She's talking to the sovereign Savior. Who asked for a drink of water, verse 10, Jesus said, if you look at verse 10 in chapter 4, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what, saints? Living water. Jesus asked for water. She's thinking about what Jesus said in the natural. 
She's thinking about the water at the bottom of Jacob's well is bubbling up in verse 13 and 14. Whoever drinks of this water, Jesus is probably pointing to the water in the well as bubbling up in Jacob's well. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever continually drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst. You see, the water that Jesus gives is unending, never ceasing, abundant, pure, refreshing, calmly, calming. Jesus is a living water for life. Can somebody say amen? And Jesus said, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up until eternal life. If you missed last week's teaching, you should stop by the bookstore. Well, last week we left off. The woman is still thinking Jesus is talking about Deer Park. Dasani. She thinks Jesus is talking about natural water. I've titled this sermon, Spiritual Dehydration, Part 2. John chapter 4, saints, look at verse 15. If you're looking at verse 15, I need you to say amen. No more better amen than that. Verse 15, if you look at verse 15, say amen. amen. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again, nor come here to drink, to draw. And Jesus said, go call your husband and come here, underline here. And the woman said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. And in that you spoke the truth. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said, woman, Believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we know, what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, are y'all with me? Where the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth for the Father. Come on, say that with me. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am the Messiah. Jesus, give me your attention, offers this woman water that she will never thirst again. And she's thinking, that's great. I would love not to have to bring this heavy pot out here in this heat every day. She still does not realize what he's talking about. She still is thinking in the natural. Don't y'all understand the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit? First, write it down. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 tells us, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, but they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. He can't know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. This woman seems hopelessly carnal. She can't see beyond the natural. To this woman, what Jesus is saying simply means it's going to save her the trouble of coming to the well in the heat of the day. That's it. Well, then, listen, 
the story takes a stunning twist. Jesus says, go call your husband. Jesus knows her public past and her secret present. Keep in mind, Jesus wants this. Didn't I tell you all last week? Jesus wants this woman in heaven. Keep that. Jesus wants this woman in heaven. And in order for this woman to make it to heaven, Jesus sets his sights on this woman's conversion. So Jesus moves to the most sensitive area in this woman's life. Go call your husband and come here. Now, this is fascinating. Jesus never returns to the picture of the living water. He has made his point and it produced nothing for now. Now, Jesus comes at her from a different angle. Why? I'm going to give you three reasons. Write it down. Number one, Jesus comes at her from a different angle. Notice the word here in verse 15. Notice, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. It could be when Jesus hears her say, I don't want to come here every day that he detects in her voice more than inconvenience or getting water. It could be Jesus detects and discerns her to be saying, I don't like coming out in public like this. If I could avoid this scene every day, I would be glad. Keep in mind, it's painful for her to come and get water because she's not one of the girls. People talked about her. Are you listening? So Jesus means you don't like to come here to this location because you feel vulnerable and open. So maybe she's saying, I'll take the living water so I don't have to come here. The second reason Jesus goes at it another angle is because Jesus already knew she was living with her boyfriend and Jesus, watch this, was exposing her sin, not to everyone else, but to her. Somebody once said, The quickest way to the heart is through a wound. Hmm. The quickest way to a heart, to someone's heart, is through a wound. Jesus is moving into this woman's inner life. He's focusing her to, focusing her to cause her to deal with what's inside. The secret places of her heart. The living water that Jesus offered is for the inner person. It's not for the water that you drink with your mouth. This is water for the heart. This issue for this woman is too sensitive, too painful, too deep, too dirty for this woman to go there. So Jesus puts a prophetic key in her door. God wants her in heaven. The third reason Jesus went at it from another angle is because Jesus is trying to open her eyes to how closed her heart is. Huh? Did you get that? Jesus is trying to open her eyes to how closed her heart is. Jesus is saying, sweetie, you've been through six relationships, five marriages. Jesus would say, honey, sweetie, you don't see it. There's a void in your life. 
There's a longing and a thirsting in your life. Either she can't find in a man what she craves, so she goes from one man to another, believing that men are the water that she's thirsty for, or the men can't find in her what they are craving, so one after another drops her, or both. Either way, she's left with a deep emptiness that's so painful that she seals herself up. There's no entrance into her heart. Her heart is locked, and Jesus knows that. Now, we can learn something from Jesus here and something about Jesus. What's that, Pastor? Well, number one, Jesus is compassionate. Somebody say amen. Number two, he's aggressive. Jesus is surgical. That's his way to to, to, to the heart is through a wound. Jesus is surgical. Jesus is relentless in his love. He knows all your past and loves you still. How many, are y'all listening? How many people, y'all listening? How many people do you know that know everything about you and love you still? You could probably count them on one hand. Half a hand. Half of a half a hand. <laughs> He knows you and loves you still. He knows all your past and loves you still. Jesus is the one person who really knows you and loves you still. As I look at this story, I can't help but see a little of myself in this story. If you're honest, there's a little of all of us in this story, in this woman, isn't there? You might say, well, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have five husbands. Well, great. Although I'll tell you, you were at some time unstable like this woman. Every one of us is always moving from one thing to another, seeking to fill the void that only Jesus can fill in your life. Don't get me wrong. I hate to be honest and vulnerable with myself like this, especially in front of all y'all. But I see a little bit of me in this woman, and I think that if you're honest, you see a little bit of you in this woman. Yeah. This story isn't just about the the sufficiency of water. If you're getting just that, you're missing the whole story. This story is about Jesus who is sufficient. This story is about a loving, patient, kind, sovereign, Messiah, gentle, yet firm, loving, yet truthful. Can somebody say amen and clap your hands? Can you do that? (laughs) Loving, yet truthful. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, I don't... She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know you don't have a husband. You have five husbands. And the man that you're currently living with is not your husband. Now, I want you to notice something that you could probably miss if you're not careful. Notice the common universal reflex of a person avoiding conviction. I'm going to say it again because I like it. The common universal reflex of a person avoiding conviction Verse 19, she admits that Jesus is a prophet, but to avoid the husband or lack thereof issue, she draws Jesus into an academic controversy. She says, so, you're a prophet. Well, where do you stand on the issue of where people ought to worship? Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship God. You know, it's been said, a trapped animal will chew his leg off to escape the trap. And also it said, a trapped sinner will 
mangle his mind, sorry, a trapped sinner will mangle his mind and rip up logic to escape truth. She says, well, since we're talking about five husbands and my adultery, what's your stance on the issue of where people worship? Can somebody please tell me what in the world does that have to do with what Jesus is talking about? What does worship have to do with five husbands? I call this double speak. <laughs> Evasion verbal footwork. Think about it. It happens all the time, doesn't it? How many times have you had people you're sharing with me telling me, oh, Jesus love you. Jesus love you. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He loves you so much. He loves you, forgiveness, the blood of Jesus, reconciliation. He just wants you to be saved and wants you to avoid hell. He died for you and so on and so forth. And people go, yeah, well, what about hate language? Uh, What about bullying? Uh, What about the pygmies in Africa? Who are the pygmies? Where are they? And how do you know they're in Africa? Have you been there? Have you seen them? See, that would be me. I'd be all on the pygmy subject. I'd be like, well, let me tell you something about the pygmies. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus noticed. She tries to throw Jesus off, right? Notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, let's stay on task. Jesus just goes with her into the next. Did y'all get that? Into the next topic. Again, Jesus wants her in heaven. Jesus has gone into her heart, and that's what he's going to deal with. Verse 21, Jesus said, the hour is coming. Please look at verse 21. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Verse 23, the hour is coming when true worshipers will worship in what? Come on, somebody. Spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying it is not about this mountain or that mountain or it's about this spirit or, 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 or about that. It's about the spirit, and it's about the truth. Jesus says, ma'am, you need a spirit that is alive and a mind in love with truth. Jesus turns her attention from where to how. Jesus is moving her away from the external question of where to the internal question of how to the theological question of whom. Because how and whom you worship are more important than where you worship. Huh? I'm going to say that again after you clap. Yep. How and whom you worship is more important than where you worship. Jesus said, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, it's not about the location that makes worship authentic. Worship is authentic when it comes from the heart. Somebody say amen. Not location. Worship is first and foremost an experience of the heart. Worship with no heart is empty. Worship with no heart is performance. Did you hear me? Worship with no heart is performance. Worship with no heart is religious. Prayer without heart is just words. Confession and creeds and liturgies with no heart is professing and not possessing. Songs with no heart is music. Yes, songs with no heart is just music. That's why I encourage you, don't mumble the words when you're singing. 
Don't just stand there and, you know, living water, bread of life, satisfy us, satisfy us. Living water, Jesus, open up my heart, Jesus. Well, lift your hands and worship. Jesus, only you satisfy. Come on, really pour out the God. Come on, lift your hands and high. You are the Christ. You are the one. Don't just mumble the words. Don't do that. Don't come to church and just get through the song. That's why we don't call it song service. Did Some folks call it song service. If that's what y'all do, that's what y'all do, and that's what y'all do over there. That's not what we do here. It is worship. We are not trying to entertain you. We are trying to bless the Lord. Y'all going to be glad you clap at the end of this sermon when I tell you some more. We are trying to bless the Lord. We're trying to worship God. We're trying to get God's attention. And when you sing and you worship and you, and you, you put your heart into it, then, then, then God is looking. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.